from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. This is WIA National News for week commencing July the 20th, 2014. Hi, I'm Robert, VK3DN. And I'm Brian, VK3GR. G'day, Rob. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. And uh, hopefully Graham's doing pretty well too. He's having a couple of weeks off. In fact, five or six weeks off, believe it or not. Lucky Graham, And we'll be handling the news for the next period. So uh, I hope you all enjoy the news and, and enjoy our slightly different format that we run from uh, what Graham does. How's your uh, week been, Brian? Really good, thanks, Rob. Um, it's nice to get back uh, in the studio. Uh, what's this, studio, uh, Melbourne Studio 3B, I guess we'll call it. Well, some news this week, and for those that know that I work in the uh, professional audio uh, industry, doing production audio, etc., would know that uh, I have an, very much an interest and in a serious investment in uh, quite a few radio microphones. Well, this next news item... Uh, from the ACMA is actually good news for us uh, pro audio guys. So let's begin ACMA news with more affordable license fee for professional wireless microphone users. Major event venue operators could soon access Spectrum for wireless audio devices for a cheaper fee under an Australian Communications and Media Authority proposal. The majority of wireless audio users operate their devices under the Radio Communications Low Interference Potential Device Class Licence 2000, which attracts no licence fee. Users, however, also have the option of accessing Spectrum for a fee using apparatus licences. The new apparatus licence arrangement is an additional option for wireless microphone users who require certainty and flexibility of Spectrum arrangements in the 520 to 694 MHz band, said the ACMA chairman, Chris Chapman. Apparatus licence fees for wireless audio devices under existing arrangements are expensive. The proposed reduction in fees seek to address that. Lowering the fees is yet another step towards recognising that wireless microphone users make a significant contribution to the Australian economy and community, Mr Chapman added. It's one of a number of ACMA initiatives designed to help wireless microphone users access spectrum and transition to radio frequency 520 to 596 MHz from 1 January 2015. Well, that's pretty good news, Brian, because since I've been doing pro audio, this is the third time that we'll have moved uh, frequencies uh, for our wireless microphones. So getting some recognition and uh, maybe even paying a little bit of money to uh, to use the spectrum is probably going to be well worth it. It uh, certainly outweighs the cost of replacing your equipment all the time. All right, now we're uh, across to the WIA board and our WIA president, Mr Phil Waite, VK2ASD. Hi, this is Phil Waite, VK2ASD, president of the WIA. In all the time I've been a director of the WIA, I can't remember a busier period. Change is occurring on many fronts affecting amateur radio. Firstly, the ACMA have announced reviews of the 2.3 and 3.5 gig spectrum which includes the 9cm and 11cm amateur bands, with a view to freeing up more spectrum for telecommunications services. The WIA has already made a submission to the 2.3 gig review and is about to respond to the 3.5 gig review. Secondly, important pieces of regulation that affect all radio communications users, including amateur radio, are due to sunset or expire over the next couple of years and need to be remade. For instance, the Radio Communications Licence Conditions Apparatus Licence determination is being reviewed now. 
That regulation gives the ACMA the power to define the types of communications we can take part in, power flux density and field strengths allowed by transmitters, and the public exposure limits to RF emission. It affects all radio amateurs, broadcasters, land mobile operators and other spectrum users. Thirdly, the Amateur Licence Conditions Determination, the LCD, which specifies all the privileges that we radio amateurs enjoy, will sunset in October next year. The WIA has entered into discussions with the ACMA and has provided ACMA with a raft of discussion points aimed at improving the conditions for Australian radio amateurs. Fourthly, the most important regulatory instruments, the Australian Spectrum Plan and the Radio Communications Act, are also coming up for review. The WIA is meeting with the Department of Communications very shortly to discuss our views and priorities for these two critical reviews which will affect all Spectrum users, including amateur radio. And fifth, a discussion paper was released in June by the Ionospheric Prediction Service as a first step in what could be a wide-ranging review of the free IPS services. The WIA submitted that Australian radio amateurs are significant users of IPS services and are very concerned that the proposed review may affect the free services provided to private radio users. If all that isn't enough, we have instigated a full review of the Australian radio amateur band plans and there are many more issues we are working on right now like working with ACMA to simplify and reduce the time taken for processing certificates of proficiency, license and callsign applications. So there is certainly a lot going on. But how can you see what the WIA is doing, have your say and learn where we are with each of these important activities? If you go to the WIA website, you'll see a new HOD item section on the right-hand side of the homepage. It's the one with the flame against it. Click on this link and you'll be taken to a new Hot Issues page where the most important WIA activities are listed together with any submissions or discussion papers. And there you can also have your say. This is Phil Waite, VK2ASD for the WIA. And thanks, Phil, for those insights on those hot topics. Now around VK, Sunday the 9th of November from 9am, EMDRC will host the 2014 VK3 Microwave Test and Tune Day at the Club Rooms in Burwood. Head to www.emdrc.com.au for details. Have you been to one of those uh, microwave field day tests? I have, and there's some very interesting people who go along to that. I think the last one coincided, or maybe the one before, with uh, field days as well. So seeing what uh, those who will sacrifice their field day to share in the technology and and, uh, the way they do things is really interesting. And I think there's a Barbie and stuff going on as well, which is why I went. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, it's on again, the field day, test field day. Also, the inaugural Victorian D-Star user group meeting That'll be held at the EMDRC Club Rooms in Burwood on Saturday the 2nd of August. That starts at 10am in the morning. Everyone is welcome. And this is where the uh, all of the interested parties in Victoria who have got an interest or a stake in uh, D-Star are going to get together and talk about and plan for the user support group for the, uh, for the D-Star protocol and hardware. So that'll be a great meeting, Brian. Uh, again at the uh, EMDRC Club Rooms in Burwood and you can email vicdstar at gmail.com for more information. Thanks to the Victorian D-Star Users Group and the EMDRC. And thanks to Ono. What use is an F-call? Let's listen. What use is an F-call? Every week between midnight and 1am UTC we host a net for new and returning hams. 
It's called F Troop and can be accessed in VK6 via VK6 RAP 146.7 MHz and via IRLP node 9558 or Echolink Conference VK3JED. Conversations are all about things amateur, upgrading licenses for those inclined, Morse code, antennas, choosing HF rigs, logging software and any question in between. We recently celebrated 100 nets. The more we talk, the more we realise that amateur radio is a vast hobby that includes technologies far and wide. From propagations, dealing with the ionosphere, ground waves, Kepra elements when talking to satellites or the International Space Station, the Internet Radio Linking Project, electronics, audio, antennas, social activities, talking on air, microphone techniques, physics, chemistry, competitions, software, hardware, you name it and you'll find a link back to amateur radio. The most powerful part of this wide span of interest is that it all relates back to a single purpose. With people conversing and sharing on the subject, you're never short on a subject that might catch your fancy. And if you're in a situation where the topic at hand is done and dusted, the people around you come from such a wide range of society, there's more than enough other things to talk about. If you're wondering what to do, get involved. Check into the net, or if you don't yet have a license, visit your local club and get one. A foundation or F-call can be obtained over a weekend, and you'll be able to do more than dip your toes into this fine hobby. Dive in and get wet all over. You know you want to. In case you missed it, F-Troop is one of many places where you can join in. VK6RAP 146.7, IRLP node 9558, or Echolink Conference VK3JED, Saturday morning midnight 1am UTC. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot Lima Alpha Bravo. From the WIA, this is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Right, thanks Ono. And now to international news with thanks to the IARU, the RSGB, the SARL, Southgate Amateur Radio Club, the ARRL Amateur Radio Newsline, NZART and the worldwide sources of the WIA. Everyday Hero Team creates backup emergency communication system for local fire station. Florida's Bay 9 News reports on how an Eagle Scout project turned into an Everyday Hero nomination for a Pineless County teenager. Parker Mitchell decided to create a backup communication system for Palm Harbour Fire Station 35. This 18-year-old is a licensed ham radio operator. I decided that since we have so many hurricanes in Florida, emergency communications would be a really good thing to do on it, he said. Parker convinced people to donate the equipment needed and about $4,000 worth, and then he built the radio station. The teenager found a volunteer to climb the fire station's tower and install the antenna. And, uh, yeah, good on him. Um, Probably more than I've done for the community recently, unfortunately. Now, the following comes from Jim Linton, VK3PC, Chairman of the IARU Region 3 Disaster Communications Committee. Typhoon causes deaths and destruction. About 20 people are dead and many left homeless after Typhoon Ramasan, which means thunder of God, hit the Philippines. With winds and heavy rain, it closed the capital of Manila on Wednesday before moving northwest out to the South China Sea. The Philippine Amateur Radio Association President, Thelma Pasqua, DU1IVT, activated the ham emergency radio operator, Hero Network, on 7095 kHz. It worked closely with other responding agencies. The storm on Tuesday and Wednesday resulted in the evacuation of thousands of people, closed businesses, schools, 60 flights were cancelled, and ferry traffic halted. The eye of Typhoon Ramasan, 
passed into the south of Manila after moving through the eastern islands of the archipelago to bring down trees and power lines, causing electrocutions and blackouts. Thelma, DU1IVT, reported that in Manila, she had winds of 150 to 185 kilometres per hour for hours. At least 40 provinces and cities were under a storm alert. The government took every precaution to minimise the deaths. Super Typhoon Haiyan last November killed at least 6,300 people and 1,000 are still missing. About 20 storms reached the Philippines each year, making it one of the world's most disaster-prone areas. And thanks to Jim, uh, VK3PC for that news story. Now, now to news of a free online electrical engineering course. A new massive open online course covers analogue, digital, electronics, ACDC circuits, electromechanics and an introduction to C programming. The course starts in September, but you can sign up right now. It's free and there are no gimmicks. The link to the MOOC info is on the text edition best read at our website www.wia.org.au. Now, I've got some additional resources because this sort of stuff interests me, Rob. Um, I found a, uh, there's a website called Reddit. Oh, just a quick explanation. It's like a forum of forums. There's heaps of different stuff there, lots of uh, sort of one topic per forum. And uh, there's one called LIY. It means uh, learn it yourself. So learn it yourself is all about learning stuff and, uh, you know, self-arranging uh, your own courses and doing things. And the interesting thing I found there was uh, something called Coursera and something called EDX. Now, interestingly, Coursera has uh, the University of New South Wales and Melbourne Uni, Stanford, Yale and Columbia. And associated with EDX is the MIT, everyone knows MIT, Harvard, UC Berkeley and Australian National University, amongst dozens more. Now, these organisations, these uh, both university, government, local and and, uh, other uh, organisations, put up their uh, courses for free which is crazy. So you can, I think they call it um, audit the class, which is you just follow along or you can go back uh, to previous years of uh, recordings. And this is the same sort of thing that's happening at futurelearn.com. So if anything interests you, listeners, go check out the uh, text edition and you'll get some links to, well, millions of dollars worth of courseware for free. Well, thanks, Brian, for that extra research, that extra information, and for putting it into the text edition so that everyone can grab a copy. Okay, two-metre signal crosses the Atlantic. The Irish Radio Transmitter Society's Brendan Trophy for the first two-way transatlantic amateur communications on two-metre has gone unclaimed for many years. Operating as VCIT on 144.155 MHz, the signal from the Brendan Quest team using FSK441 transmission mode was heard and decoded by John Regnault, G4SWX, in Suffolk on 6th of July at 13.41 GMT. The station continued to try to make it complete two-way contact for something over the next four hours, but nothing was heard from G4SWX or from any other European station. Even if two-way contact was not achieved, the team is eligible to be awarded the Brendan Plate. Well done, guys. All right, listeners, while Rob and I uh, take a break to have a glass of water, have a listen to this audio snippet. Down the road a bit, mark down September 27th as the beginning of the nine-day International Air Ambulance Operating Event. This is held each year in support of the many air ambulance services in operation around the world. The length of the happening includes two weekends to give as many hams as possible a chance to participate. 
More details on its aims and a registration form can be found at radio-amateur-events.org. Researchers are now dubbing the sun's recent activity as a mini-max. This is because the maximum period of activity so far has been shorter than usual. Researchers note that sunspots are now showing up and lower-density areas are appearing in the sun's corona. As such, this current situation demonstrates how hard it is to accurately forecast a solar cycle. They note that this cycle's strange peak appears to have its roots in 2008 and 2009, when sunspot numbers were far lower than scientists expected. Solar flares, which are associated with sunspot numbers and the sun's magnetic activity, were also relatively quiet in that same time frame. The average for a solar cycle from minimum to maximum and back to minimum is in theory 11 years. However, it can actually take between 9 and 14 years. The current solar cycle is expected to start fading in 2015, but it will likely go out with some increased activity. The researchers note that historically speaking, there are usually strong flares leading to numerous auroras on Earth at the end of the solar peak. This is because particles from the sun strike our planet's magnetic lines and excite gases in the upper atmosphere. Ron Turner of Analytic Services Incorporated is a senior science advisor for NASA's Innovative Advanced Concepts Program. He summed it up by saying that the current cycle 24 is one of the weakest in the 24 cycles since 1755. The first set of high-resolution results from the European Space Agency's three-satellite constellation named Swarm has revealed the most recent changes in the magnetic field that protects our planet. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Emby, KB3TZD, reports. The Swarm Satellite Observation System is providing some unprecedented insights into the complex workings of Earth's magnetic field. Measurements made over the past six months confirm the general trend of the field's weakening, with the most dramatic declines over the Western Hemisphere. However, in other areas, such as the Southern Indian Ocean, the magnetic field has strengthened since this past January. The latest measurements also confirm the movement of magnetic field northward towards Siberia. These changes are based on the magnetic indications stemming from Earth's core, over the coming months, scientists plan to analyze the data provided by the SWARM satellites, along with contributions from other sources, including the observations of Earth's crust, mantle, oceans, ionosphere, and magnetosphere. Together with the data collected from space, the researchers hope to provide new insight into many natural processes, from those occurring deep inside our planet to space weather triggered by solar activity. In turn, they hope this information will yield a better understanding of why the planet's magnetic field appears to be weakening. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Heather Emby, KB3TZD in Berwick, Pennsylvania. All right, listeners, we're back and we are optimally hydrated. And now to operational news, Dateline 2014. The SGRS 80 Metres Trophy Contest is July 26th, the 1010 International Summer Contest, August 2nd and 3rd. WA's Remembrance Day, the RD Contest, August 16 and 17. Don't forget the Alara Contest at the end of August, that's August 30 and 31. The Manly Warringah Radio Society Flagpole Contest, I love this one, September 20th. Amateur Radio International Air Ambulance Week that you just heard about, nine days from September 28th. 
from the WIA. This is the weekly national news service originating from VK1 WIA. Now, IOTA contest in French Island, Victoria. Wife and husband team, Julie, VK3FOWL, and Joe, VK3YSP, will be activating French Island National Park in Victoria on Saturday, July the 26th, looking for plenty of contacts on 80, 40 and 20. The team will have to carry in their own portable station via the passenger ferry from Stony Point. Their portable operation on French Island will also include the Island on the Air contest, which runs for 24 hours from 1200 UTC on Saturday night. That's about 10pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Exact activation times and frequencies are yet to be determined, but will be posted on the Parks and Peaks website. Thanks, Brian. Now to DX News. Fellow DXers and contesters are cordially invited to attend the Asia-Pacific DX Convention 2014 in Osaka, Japan, which will take place on November the 14th to the 16th. In addition to their usual presentations on recent de-expeditions, technical sessions, de-ex-dinners and so forth, this convention offers something special. Japan is where most of the amateur radio equipment is developed, and you'll have an opportunity to join the Natura of the ICOM factory, participate in technical sessions led by the ICOM HF design team, and much more. And don't forget that all the programs at APDXC are conducted in English. The website is in the text edition of this news service. Rob, if you go to that one, make sure you take your radios and get the uh, radio engineers to sign the inside cover so that when you sell them down the track and when they're totally complete uh, historical artefacts, they'll go for more. Anyway, here's to awards. And awards go to the man on the move. Two local government awards have gone to Peter Freeman, VK3PF, for having worked from and also to 40 municipalities under the rules of this Amateur Radio Victoria Achievement Award. Peter VK3PF has qualified for the two award certificates and now has them sitting alongside his recent Keith Roger Memorial National Parks Award Grand Slam plaques. The avid portable operator enjoys chasing awards and is the first to win both of the local government awards. No doubt the battle is on to be the first having worked all current 79 shires, cities, rural cities and a borough. Let's hope this happens before a decision is made that Sunbury is to be a new municipality and lifting the bar to 80. Under the rules, VK3 need 40 different Victorian municipalities, other VK stations 30, and DX qualify with 20 municipalities. Full rules and a lot more information is available under the awards tab on the Amateur Radio Victoria website. Congrats, Peter. Congratulations indeed. OK, it's to Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Internet the Ham's Domain. Astroham KF5LKT has been tweeting from the ISS. Astronaut Reed Wiesman KF5LKT has been active on Twitter, social network, as well as the RS Space Station ham radio gear. According to several news reports, Wiesman has literally been tweeting from space about the planet we live on, describing what he sees from his vantage point high above the Earth's surface. Since he's been tweeting from the ISS, his number of followers has risen from 37,000 when he started to 126,000 today. You can follow him on the tweet at twitter.com slash astro underscore read. To Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier, and I've practiced this one a lot, Rob. The paper, named Revisiting Elliptical Satellite Orbits to Enhance the O3B Constellation by Lloyd Wood, Yuquan Lu, Opiolwa 
Olusola of the University of Surrey is now available for download. Early low-orbiting satellites were launched into highly elliptical orbits, HEOs, as a result of not having much control over trajectory. Circular orbits with minimal eccentricity offer consistent altitudes with the benefit of consistent free space losses and link budgets throughout the orbit, and soon became the norm. Highly elliptical orbits fell from favour for communications use. You can download the paper from the rixiv.org. There's a link in the text edition. Okay, now it's time for the update on the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend and the growing list lining up for the ILLW. Only four Australian registrations were in the first International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend in 1998, but today it's nearly 60. Among them is the Macquarie Lighthouse, built in 1883 near the entrance to Sydney Harbour, Australia's first and longest-serving lighthouse, which will be put to air by the Waverley Amateur Radio Club, VK2BV. Also in the first event in 1998 was New Zealand. One of the remote lighthouses for this year is Puto Point, a three-storey wooden structure built in 1884, activated by Tony Wright, ZL2PLH. And there are five other ZL lighthouses registered so far. Also at the start was Malaysia, and this year four registrations including the Pulai Yudana Lighthouse completed in 1880 to guide ships through the treacherous straits of Malakai, activated by the IOTA DX Group 9M2MI. Among others in more than 40 countries recently joining the annual event are Brazil, Belgium, France, Iceland, Italy, Japan, Norway, Mexico, Taiwan, Ukraine and Uruguay. The USA remains on the top of the leaderboard with 65 registrations, followed by Germany with 57 and Australia on 56, with only four weeks to go. To check out the 370 registrations so far, perhaps make one for yourself. For August the 16th and 17th, do visit the website www.illw.net. And thanks again to Jim for the weekly updates. All right, listeners, here's the deal. Go and get the text edition of this uh, edition of the news and go read Final Frontier and send me in your MP3s or your links to YouTube for the name of those three authors of the previous story. Yu Kwan Lu, perhaps? Opiolua Olu. These are going to go into the uh, bloopers at the end, I think. I'll have a crack a couple more times. Anyway, moving on. Worldwide special interest groups, Rescue Radio. The Garak 2014 program has plenty of interest. The emergency communications provided by radio amateurs in the Philippines' Super Typhoon will be among many presentations and displays at the Global Amateur Radio Emergency Communications, GARAC, on August 14 and 15, held in Huntsville, USA. GARAC 2014 will see a detailed presentation on Super Typhoon Haiyan, also named Yolanda, that struck the central part of the Philippines and involved 100 radio amateurs in the Hero Network. Through the IARU Membership Society, the Philippines Amateur Radio Association, they trained and prepared for the disaster, helping agencies during the recovery phase. Other presentations expected to be given are the work of radio amateurs following flooding in Brazil and the Fukushima nuclear disaster in Japan. Okay, Brian, well, thank you for that. And we're almost at the end of this week's news, and as we usually do, we'll finish up with the social scene. On July 27th in VK4, it's the Gold Coast Amateur Radio Society, 11am social on Logan Central Gardens. On August 2nd on VK3, it's the Victorian D-Star user group meeting at the EMDRC club rooms. We mentioned that before. 
August the 3rd and VK6, the Northern Corridor Radio Amateur Group Hamfest. On September the 13th and VK4, the Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club Sunfest and Wombai St- School of Arts. On September the 14th and VK3, the Shepparton and District Amateur Radio Club Hamfest. It kicks off at 10am. September the 28th and VK3, the Melbourne Amateur Radio Technology Group Hamfest in Keelor East. And then through October, the third, the VK4 Townsville Amateur Radio Club's Cardwell Gathering four-day event. And we're done. Thank you, listeners, for listening, and thank you, viewers, for viewing on the ATV repeaters around the nation. We're done for this week. Rob, how'd it go? I think we did okay. <laughs> but we'll uh, find out when uh, you guys write and uh, let us know. Just remember, there's the feedback link on the WIA website under the news section there. You can send us feedback. Okay, well, it's the end of the news, and as we say each week, we reported it and you decide. Yuxuan, no, Yuxuan Lu, Yuxun, Waxen, Waxen Lu, Wuxan. No, moving on. Opeo Lua, Opeo, Opeo, I got no idea. Opeo Lua, Olu Sola. We've reported, you decide.